Social Strategy Podcast, episode 43. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, where it's all about making the most of your business with smart tips on what's working now in social media, online business, and good old-fashioned networking. And now your host, who's also known as Ross PR on Twitter, Vernon Ross. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Social Strategy Podcast, bringing you the best in online business, social media, good old-fashioned networking. And this is a new year, and we're doing something a little bit different on the show. Anytime I have people that are repeat guests, and they're going to, after a couple of appearances, be co-hosts. And I just dropped this on my co-host, not my guest, Patrice Washington, (laughs) just a few seconds ago, because this is officially her third visit on the show. And so, you know what? Why say guest? Now, she's a co-host now, so we're not going to go into long introductions. If you guys want to know more about Patrice, I'm going to link up to a couple of episodes you can listen to to get all the background. But to give you just a little bit, just a little taste of who Patrice is, Patrice is like this rock star money answers person. She's been on all kinds of of television and radio. You guys may have heard her. If you listen to the Steve Harvey show, if that plays in your markets, she's on his regular morning show on a pretty regular basis. Patrice, how often are you on his show? Well, I answer people's personal finance questions weekly, and then I do a live interview with Steve one to two times a month. So, I mean, it's just crazy. She's all over the place. And in a good way, not just like all over the place, but you look around <laughs> okay. in, in the money game and you're going to find Patrice Washington in her face sitting there looking at you, telling you what to do. So, Patrice, um, thanks for coming on the show and being my first official co-host of 2015. Thanks for having me back. I, I was so excited about my three-peat appearance. This is, <laughs> this is good. Now, you're always breaking ground on this show. So this is, I uh, know. People are going to be like, do you interview anybody else? <laughs> <laughs> but what wasn't I one of the most downloaded? So that means you were. there was some good conversation there, some good nuggets. So Exactly. And uh, you, John Lee Dumas, and uh, Fanoush Tarabi are like the, the three biggest downloaded episodes of 42 plus episodes. So, nice. Yeah, I'm right. So, and John's got a huge audience and millions of downloads a, a month on iTunes and for two, for news Tarabi has been on the street and uh, mm-hmm. you know mad money and six or seven books published or something like that so yeah you're I, a real good company I know and I'm like the new kid on the block so exactly. this is good. I'm definitely a good company I'm grateful exactly so let's let's talk about real money answers and this one is specifically for men it's the ultimate playbook for financial success. You launched this book um, right over, right at the holidays, right? You know what? I really haven't yet. So the book actually officially comes out during my live interview on the Steve Harvey Morning Show on January 27th. Oh, that's right. That's right. I, you know, I was like, oh, that's right. Wait a minute. This is a free thing. I did a secret sale just for my audience, my tribe that is on my list at realmoneyanswers.com. Ah. And I wanted them because so many people were asking me about stocking stuffers and holiday gifts. And I wanted my audience to have an opportunity to bless their their husbands, their fathers, their sons, their nephews um, with the book. And they they liked it. it. It did pretty well in that one day. That's awesome. You, you um you made Amazon bestseller that day. 
I, I did. I, I did. I forgot to take the screenshot, but... <laughs> I should have took the screenshot. I was looking. Oh, man. Man, you should have took the screenshot for me. Honestly, we launched it, and I was getting ready for holidays, too. So I was out doing my holiday thing <laughs> and um, came back, and it was, like, maybe number six, which mm -hmm. said to me, like, you had to be number one probably at some point. But I couldn't tell. You know, you have to grab it. But, you know, um, I I'm pretty sure it'll be back. So it's oh, okay. Yeah that's, not, yeah, that's not a problem. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is not a problem. Something I have, of course, I've got to say, when you were first writing this book, you reached out to several people on Facebook and I just happened to see it was just one of those random posts because you know how so some stuff shows up on Facebook and some stuff doesn't. And you're right. like, hey, I've got a, a question. And I think you sent an email about a survey to a bunch of men that you knew to answer mm -hmm. questions about personal finance and how they deal with money in their families and all these mm -hmm. questions. I think it took maybe 10, maybe 15 minutes to answer everything. It wasn't that big of a deal. I didn't think it was that big of a deal. I was like, yeah, anything I can do to help you out. And I get news from you last year that, hey, I'm going to include some stuff that you said in the book. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. Thank you. <laughs> but I did not expect to see my name in the front of a signed copy with a wow. very nice personal note to me. I'm like, wow, that is awesome. It's not that it's, it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It's eleven people, and I'm the last one on the list. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> well, you know what? I I really appreciated that because you know writing real money answers for every woman um, was was easier for me, obviously, because I've been nothing but a woman for over thirty years. So that <laughs> I could kind of. You know, I could kind of get my my hands around. I was raised by women. You know, I have a daughter. I have girlfriends. And I had all of the, um, you know, the content just through my daily interactions with women and most of my audience being female to create that book. But when it came time to create Real Money Answers for Men too, I knew that I, I had to branch out and I had to get the input and feedback from men because your, your money motivations are different than ours, yeah, you know? Yeah. And so... You guys have this, you know, this strong um, need to protect and to to provide for. And so your needs are different than ours. And so what motivates you is different. You know, you're uh, for the guys, for example, a lot of them were talking about the fact that when they want to pursue a dream career or pursue entrepreneurship, it's not as easy for a guy to just jump up and tell his wife and family look, I quit the job because I'm about to do this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not as easy, but that same man will support his wife in doing that. Yeah, let's talk, about, let's talk about that because that's close to home. Yeah. <laughs> and I think a lot of people identify with that right there, that thing, because, you know, I mean, I'm still in corporate. And, you know, for a long time, and I actually, I picked this up from you, and uh, you'll be happy to know that you helped me grow with this one, is mm. to share your full story. Because people want to know, you know, people didn't know at first that, well, people knew that you made a bunch of money in real estate, but they didn't know that you all, that you lost almost every penny. Absolutely. When, no, not almost. Well, actually, yeah, you lost every penny. <laughs> yeah. Scraping up money to, you know, to, to buy food for your daughter and in the economic downturn right around 2008, people don't, didn't know that, but that you were able to build it back up. Yeah. And so people need to know that, hey, yeah, I do a lot of stuff and yeah, I may be speaking here and I have clients and 
that's great. But yeah, I'm still corporate because, you know, the six figures that a lot of people talk about, you know, and I don't know why. Why is that a magic number? I have no idea. Yeah, have you noticed that no in marketing? That <laughs> people talk about that six figure, this six figure that I don't, I don't know. Anyway, I didn't, I'm, I digress. I tell people now that, yeah, I'm still in corporate because breaking off and consistently over an actualized period of time, making the salary that I'm making has to be the focus. Now, if the wife wanted to do something, okay, fine, honey, go do it. Because I just feel like that's my job. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's like, okay, if I need to pick up a little something on the side part-time or I need to close a few more clients or do something like that, that's fine. But I can't, and I just... As a man, I don't expect that my wife or kids should have to sacrifice so that I can chase after, you know, whatever it is that I want. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, that's why do you think that is? Well, I mean, just what I learned from the guys is that you guys, again, real men, because let's be clear, not all men feel <laughs> right. the way that you do. Right, right. <laughs> not all men feel the way that my husband does. So let's be clear about that. But, you know, real men, in my opinion, are just born or are raised with that sense of responsibility. And to your point that you don't feel like your wife should sacrifice and and not saying that we're not willing to, because I know for my husband, I'm willing to do what I have to do for him to have his dream. But he but he's just not made like that. Like he's not going for it. You yeah. know, yeah. like the test has to be clear for him to feel like, OK, now is my time. Because he always just wanted me to be happy and feel supported and feel taken care of, taken care of and that type of stuff. And so, you know, I don't know. Again, I w I've never I wasn't raised male. So what conversations you guys were privy to, what you heard at the barbershop, what grandpa told you, I have no idea. <laughs> right. But I know on the flip side, we were hearing very different conversations. And so when I was writing this book, I know the foundational stuff. I can tell anyone how to budget. I can talk about money mindset. I can talk about debt elimination. I can talk about savings accumulation. But what I could not do on my own was talk about what motivates a man with his money and how he handles his business um, and even how he deals with the relationships in his life pertaining to money. I couldn't do that. And I didn't want just my husband or just, um, you know, the men in my life because the, there's too many similarities, obviously. I wanted to get a well-rounded group of men who come from different backgrounds, different ages, different ethnicities, um, you know, different economic standings and get their feedback. And that's what you guys helped me do. And it was so priceless. I, I mean, I can't thank you enough because I wouldn't have been able to reshape the beginning or end of this book without your input. That's awesome. And I, I really do... Um appreciate being included and it was it was a fun survey to take to really think about some of those issues because i'm like wow yeah nope i can't do that because of this and like you said let's let's be clear we're talking about men that feel a sense of responsibility to step up and i think it's more of us out there than the especially black men than we get credit for so being able to see it in print and that it's not necessarily this isn't just a book for black men so i don't want people to think that but it hits home because I know that you have that in your life as far as examples is concerned. And you also have people that contributed to the same content that's in this book. And so just as a black man, it's reaffirming to know that the answers that are in this book, a lot of this, the content and the focus of it comes from 
contributions of the people that are also listed on the front of the page with me. So what that says to me is like, hey, look, there's a lot of good guys out here trying to do it right. So it's it, it just makes me feel good to see that and know, you know, some of the story behind how it all came together. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to get it into the hands of more people on January 27th, more men, um, because my ultimate goal, and again, just stemming from my personal experience with my own husband, uh, I've been married seven years now, and we, you know, we started out rocky in terms of finances and who would do what and when was it a good time to talk about finances and what we we're going to, you know, where right. we're going to live and how, you know, just how are things going to go? Um, and it was a process. And so now that I have the woman's book, the men's book, and then my first book was Real Money Answers College Life and Beyond for the Young Adults, I really have um, a burning desire to help families holistically in this area and help them have something that they can talk about. Yeah. Like maybe I've been saying what you wanted to say, but now you can put it on Patrice. <laughs> you know? <laughs> now, right. Well, on page 137, Patrice said, you know, and let's just start the conversation. And so having the women's book, um, which was really great, and it's gotten in the hands of tens of thousands of women at this point, and not not having their counterparts or the people in their lives, the men in their lives get mad because of what they're saying, but now giving them something like, okay, well, I read this one, you read that one, and now let's talk about it. And giving them something, uh, somewhere to start the conversation in a healthy way um, is what I really look forward to. I'm really excited that by the end of this year, I believe, I see it in my mind already, um, I'm going to get the emails and the videos and and the cu- and have the couples walk up to me and say, "You helped save my marriage yeah. through this through these books because I know that I needed that at some point." So what I wanted to create is what Gerald and I didn't have seven years ago, and what we had to fumble our way through and figure out. I wanted to create a resource like that for families because our families are falling apart, and I'm so tired of hearing about money or communication about money being the number one reason that couples fail. It breaks my heart. And so this is my response. Okay, I got the title of your next book. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? Real Money, Real Money Answers for Every Couple. Yeah, that sounds good. Or, that sounds- or Relationship Answers for Every Couple. <laughs> I'm, I, you know, I'm really thinking about, you know, even before I write the next book, maybe even doing um, a workbook mm-hmm. that, that bridges uh, the the gap between these two books and just helps stir up the con- the conversation between couples. Yeah, yeah. I was um I'm I'm not completely done. I've I've almost gotten done with the book. Um, I've jumped around from mm-hmm. section to section just to play around with it to see if it could be read like that. Mm-hmm. And it can. It can be read like section to section. If you go through and you look. And I, I like that because it's a lot like a textbook. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to read one section, you can go to another. So it's like, oh, okay, mindset, myths, money, attitudes. I'm like, wow, okay, this is the first part. Let me look a little bit about this. I'm like, yeah, that's some good stuff. And then I jump to, you know, the foundation. And so just the the different titles of these chapters that are in here, I'm like, oh, boosting credit. How do you do that? Oh, reducing debt and saving, mm-hmm. budgeting. I, I mean, you can just kind of jump around if you want to. I would recommend that people just read it all at the same time, but you can jump around in the book and like grab the stuff that you need to grab. And one of the things I, I think that you did well that a lot, I don't see in a lot of books is that you've got the sample stuff 
And I, I'm starting to see it more, but not in books like this. Usually it's uh, some type of class or workshop or program, but you've got the worksheets in here that accompany the advice that you're given, which mm -hmm. I think is really valuable because somebody can just take this, take it to a place of work, put it on a copy machine, make a quick copy of it, or just type it out and they're good to go. Yeah. And get to work. Yeah. My thing is always about action, you know, and information without implementation is useless, you know? And so I'm always big on, I want to give people practical advice that they can literally take and use in their lives immediately. Like, I don't want them to always have to go off and figure out the what's next. Like now I know what to do, but how? You know, like I want them to be able to go, I know what to do. And OK, here's here's the checklist of all the stuff that I should have to get my finances in order. Let me go ahead, like you said, and make a copy, you know, get down to the office or to yeah. that wherever I keep yeah. my stuff and, and get to work. Not live, now. Where do I go from here? No, I want them to be able to get to work. Exactly. Yes. If they get the electronic version, they can just print the PDF and <laughs> good right. to go. Right. So I recommend getting both. Get the get the hard copy so you can take it around with you and read through it and then get the uh, electronic copy so you can easily print off the forms. Because you'll, you'll need a couple of these forms, especially if you're like repairing your credit and stuff like that. They can send those off, right? Mm -hmm. Copy it and change the words. Mm -hmm. You know, something that was interesting in here to me was the... Uh, <laughs> the friends and family and or financial foes. <laughs> yeah. That's actually the first section of the book that I read when I first got it. I, I kind of flipped it open and it kind of fell open and I'm like, Oh, okay. Let me, let me read some of this. And there's some, <laughs> there's some stuff in here. I mean, you kind of, you go right into a lot of the problems that people have with their families. Yeah. It's important. And again, and, in personal finance books, I think we get so caught up in the mechanics. We get so caught up in the skill set, you know, which, I, I, of course, I want you to budget. I want you to have amazing credit, and I want you to save money. But here's what I know, that if you don't get your relationships in order, if you don't understand how to check these friends and family members who you can't seem to say no to, um, who you might be enabling, uh, you know, then it doesn't matter how well you budget or how much you save. Or, or what you invest in, you'll still end up in the same place, broke, <laughs> because <laughs> you will have given away, you know, all that you said you were saving up for yourself or said that you were doing for your future and investment in your future. You would have let other people come in and sabotage that in the name of being the provider, in the name of being the good uncle, the, the great son, the best dad ever, you know, whatever these monikers are that you want to give yourself you can jeopardize your own financial success because you want those titles more. And I think for a lot of guys, it'll be a wake up call that the very people that you think that you're helping, you're actually hurting number yeah. one. And then two, you're also hurting yourself in the process. Right. You know, there was something in here and I, I've talked to a lot of people that deal with this uh, good friends of mine that have fallen out with good friends of theirs. I mean, friends that have, that they've had in their lives for 25, 30 years mm -hmm. because of like the very first thing that you said in the very first part of this, you know, friends and foes or friends and family or financial foes section. And I, I want people to hear this so that they understand exactly how in depth this goes and how deep it can actually touch. Cause I know that almost anybody listening to this has run into this they have someone that they know that's close to them 
that's that kind of fits the description here. So you, the it starts with stop enabling and start empowering. I'm like, okay, I've I've kind of heard that before, but let let me see what it's about. And there's an old Chinese proverb that says, give a man a fish and you'll feed him for a day. But if you teach a man a fish, you'll feed him for a lifetime. Everybody's heard that. And they're like, oh, yeah, I, I get that. I, I understand that. But I like the way that you put it because you said don't take away a person's ability to hustle. And I'm like, wow, that's that's an interesting way to start that after reading that proverb. The fact of the matter is that you won't always be around to go fishing for them. If you keep enabling them, they'll starve once they have to get out and do it on their own. Do you really want to leave someone you care about without basic money survival skills? And I'm like, damn, wow. <laughs> I'm like, see, now that I have not considered. I had not heard it put that way because everybody's heard the proverb and we all know what it means. But mm -hmm. I think people throw it out there um and it's just something to throw out to say, but it, it doesn't have any real meaning behind it. And it's an empty statement when they say it and they don't really consider what it means. And it's like, yeah, people understand what hustle means mm -hmm. and you're taking away that ability for people to do it. And I've seen it and you see it in your kids. Well, right. well you won't see it in, in Reagan because I mean, that little girl is something else, but because <laughs> she's got you as a mom she already knows and she's got great examples but a lot of people see it in their kids when they want them to do something and they don't get the hustle part of it and I'm like wow am I taking away my children's ability to hustle like I had to because I want them to have a better life right and, and so, the, the no, so no go ahead go 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 the best life that they'll have though is one where they feel capable of providing for themselves. I like that it's the best life. So letting them hustle and figure it out while you're there is amazing because you're there to correct. You know, you're there to course correct and answer any questions and you know, kiss a few boo-boos, but mm -hmm. you can't always run in and save them. You know, they've got to learn. I'll give you a, a great example. This um Past week, you know, I had a company come and take the Christmas tree down. We took the ornaments down and they came and hauled it out of here. It's like an eight, nine foot tree. And uh, I found this this one page website online called The Number. The young man answered very, very respectful, very polite, sent me a, a text to confirm the pickup time and everything. <laughs> came out here. The boy has not had facial hair yet. <laughs> he got to my house, and this is a 16-year-old kid. I said, well, where is Big John? He said, I am Big John. Now, he's a little tall, but he was a child. <laughs> I said, are you the person that I talked to? He said, yeah, yes, ma'am, I am. I said, where are your parents? He's like, this is my business. He said, my older brother and I started this a couple years ago, and I do this every year now that my brother's gone and went to college I, I pick up trees from about 12 homes a day from December 26th to January 15th. Wow. For $35 a tree. He pulled up in a truck. He had the, the he brought a vacuum in to, to vacuum the pine needles up, his own broom, um, all his supplies, every everything that he needed. 16-year-old kid. And then wow. when my husband started to talk to him further, come to find out his family owns several restaurants around uh, Metro Atlanta. 
And the, his family sells Christmas trees um, as well. They have 10 lots during the winter throughout uh, Metro Atlanta. Now, his family doesn't need him to go out and pick up trees. No. He Let's be clear. No. They don't need him to go out and pick up trees, but they also haven't robbed him of his ability to hustle. So are they still giving to him what they didn't have? Probably because maybe they didn't just have the same opportunity to get a truck and do all this or come up with a game plan. But look at that as an example that they have the means because he goes to one of the best schools in Atlanta. So they have the means for him to never have to pick up a Christmas tree in his life, yet they allow him to go out and from December 26th to January 15th pick up 12 trees a day, set up a one-page website, and have customer service that's out of this world. To me, that's commendable. I was looking at Reagan like, you got a year to figure out what you're going to do. <laughs> I was looking at my seven-year-old like, you better paint some ornaments next year, sell them door-to-door, you need to figure something out, you know? But seriously, and then, and then I look at, you know, a lot of my friends and family who have kids the same age who they handicap. He doesn't need to work. I don't want her to, to get out there and she has her whole life to work. Mm-hmm. Yes, we have a short period of time to develop real work ethic. Because you 25 getting your first job, you don't have any damn work ethic. Let's be clear. Exactly. <laughs> you know, I was there. I was making that mistake with my oldest. I'm like, nope, school is her job. Mm-hmm. And it was not working out to keep her grades where they needed to be. And I'm like, okay, you need to get a job because right. you're not busy enough. You've got too much time on your hands. And idle hands, devil's playground, and exactly. you're, you're just not getting in trouble, but you're just not doing what you need to do. And as soon as she started working and was focused on having to manage her schedule to get her studying done and, and work and grades, best grades she's ever had in her academic career. And I'm like, oh, wow, this is it. I should have had her working in grade school. Well, yeah. <laughs> You know what? I I worked full time in college and I also maintained a 3.6, 3.7 GPA on the dean's list at USC. And the reality was that having those jobs made me value my time more. And it made me very deliberate. It made me intentional. It made me strategic. It made me prioritize. It, it, It let me know that if I wanted to be successful and make money, that there were just some sacrifices that had to be made. And there were just, you know, there was some time management that I had to get in order. And for the two or three weeks between my dad making me quit my job, I worked full time at a hotel graveyard, front desk supervisor um, (laughs) at a (laughs) Westin, downtown LA. And um, between those few weeks, my dad was like, you work 60 hours a week. What? That's crazy. You know, and made me quit. And I quit the job and had nothing to do. And I wanted to kill myself. I was I don't know how people just go to school. There's too many other hours in the day. Like, what are you doing? You know, and I was involved in organizations and all that stuff. But I literally could not wait to get another job. And my next job was with Steve Harvey <laughs> on the Steve Harvey morning show. <laughs> I to work uh, from 430 in the morning until 1030. And, you know, I go to extremes. First, it's graveyard. Then it's an early morning shift. You know, I don't know what that was about, but I was able to do it, but it made me so much more intentional about, about my academics as well. And, um, you know, so if you're a parent out there listening and you have a child in college, I mean, unless they have a 4.0, they have more than enough time Mm -hmm. to to work 
because it'll help them focus even more on school because yeah, they know they have a limited amount of time to study. They're not in the library kind of studying, but texting and playing too. Exactly. Nah. Exactly. No. Yeah. So. Yeah, I thought that was an awesome way to start this section. I was like, wow, that that is powerful. And I hadn't even gotten a number two yet. <laughs> <laughs> and I hadn't even gotten a number two. I'm like, this is crazy. I didn't even finish reading that full statement. And I mean, that's the example of the young men, you know, that came to your house and got the tree. That's crazy. And it makes me think about my nephews and what they're doing and what they're not doing. And I'm like, oh, okay. I, you know, I got to push these guys harder to do more stuff. I mean, my oldest is oldest nephew is in college and, mm -hmm. you know, working on internship and, and securing one of those. But it's like, dude, there's, you can do all this stuff on your own. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's, that's awesome. That's like, what a good story. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Remember real inspiration inspires real motivation. It's like, Oh wow, that's good. I think I need to print that and put that up on the wall. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, a real need inspires real motivation. Yeah, a real need inspires yeah, so. motivation. So, you know, you have those young people who are like, oh, my mom will pay the bill eventually. Yeah. Or, or my, my dad is going to yeah. take care of it. There's no need. Where there's no need, there's no, what are they inspired to do? Right. Like, what are they motivated to do? They know that you're going to come in and save the day. Sometimes, you know, I feel like young people need a little shock. They need the shock of their lives. They need to go, oh, my gosh, my phone is off. What the heck? What am I going to do? They need to call you from a pay phone or from a phone at the office, you know, from an office on campus and, and know that you're not playing with them, that you're serious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. It's like, yeah, if you want that, you got to pay for it. Yeah, that's what my mom did. My mom would leave me at a counter in a second. I would plan to buy some jeans or buy some shoes or something. <laughs> And my mom, I would have my little money out, and then they would bring in this little thing called tax. And I'm like, mm -hmm. tax? California, 8.25%. You know? Like, they bring in this little thing called tax, and I wouldn't have enough. My mom would not even blink. She would just walk away. Again, I had a decision to make. Either I was going to find that additional $5 or whatever it was, or I was going to adjust my taste and go get something else. And that was it. There was exactly there was no saving me. Oh, no. And if she did ever save me, she charged me double. Oh, I had to pay her back double. So then oh. I'd have to say, you know, is this really worth it? And when it came to my money, there were a lot of times where things just were not as worth it as they seemed when we first walked in the store. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so. You're spending your own money. It's like, um, well, I don't know if I need that. <laughs> Right. Like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not feeling that the way I thought I was. It's okay. Yeah. You know? No, I, I I didn't really want it at all. That bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was funny. Uh, my, my daughter bought her own PlayStation 4 uh, from her, you know, money she earned from her job. And it was a choice between an additional joystick or a um, a PlayStation Plus account. One's 49, one's 59. But the PlayStation Plus account renews every year at $49. So mm -hmm. it was like, um, which one do you want? And she's like, I'm like, you're not getting both. <laughs> I'm not spending that kind of money on a college student at Christmas. And there's other stuff that you need for a game system. So she chose the PlayStation Plus account. But what she wasn't counting on is I was going to uh, make her use her card to put it on. <laughs> so the automatic renewal next year, that's going right. to be on her. 
<laughs> I'm like, I'll give it to you for one year, but this is not going to be the gift that keeps on giving because you'll right. be paying for it next year or you won't be playing online. So, yeah. Good job, Vern. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, something I thought that was interesting that um, that's also in the book, and I, I need to look at the section that it's in. It's um, the financial, you know, what are, what are the war warning signs of a financially irresponsible person? And you're oh, talking yeah. about some red flags. Uh, your honey, your money. I'm like, mm -hmm. oh, okay. She drives a late model Mercedes and always looks like she stepped out of the pages of a magazine, but she lives with roommates or her parents for no clear reasons. <laughs> I was like, okay, come on, talk about it. <laughs> the guys were mad when I talked about the warning signs you know, in the women's book, the guys were mad. Like, well, what is that supposed to mean? And I, you know, I helped my mom out. That's why I stayed with my mom. You know, I was getting all the, the good tweets and uh, Instagram messages um, and all that. But the same goes both ways because guys get taken to, you know, women are not the only ones who end up with irresponsible, irresponsible men. There are a lot of men who are good guys who end up with women that just want to take advantage of them. Yeah. And, yeah, you need the warning signs too. I'm I'm equal opportunity. <laughs> so don't worry. Yeah, it was funny some of the stuff that you put in here. I'm like, wow, I've run into all of those type of people. I mean, I've been married for twenty what's it, twenty one? I had twenty plus years. How about how about that? <laughs> been married a long time. But I'm I run it get the year down though. That's what I need you to do. Yeah, it's it's twenty. <laughs> And the reason I know that is because my oldest is 19. So. Keep it simple. I got you. But yeah, it's, uh, it, I was like, oh, wow, really? She always, she never answers it. She always has her phone around when you're around, but she always ignores those 800 numbers. <laughs> like, oh my God, what is that? It's funny. That's right. You're about to, you know, inherit this person's debt if you decide to take this pretty far. I mean, seriously, even, you know, women who are always asking someone they just started dating to lend them money or complaining about their bills. Like, guys, this is a sign of an irresponsible person, period. And all that I'm a provider and a protector, that's not your wife. So if you're dating someone, just started dating, just met them, and I mean, she was beautiful and fly and, and you know, look like she just came out of a video or a magazine, but she's complaining about basic bills, like her cell phone? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not, ma'am. No. Yeah. You got all these designer purses and no money in those wallets? No, ma'am. Not acceptable. Not acceptable. Yeah, no, it's funny. I, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine about one of her friends that was asking for money. But she's got, you know, a coach bag and she drives a seven series Beamer and she's got all this stuff, but she never has any money when they go anywhere to do stuff. Mm -mm. And it's like, oh, girl, I'll pay you back. Mm -mm. And, you know, her, her boyfriend at the time was always shelling out money for like this or that. And he didn't understand it. And she has a great job, but I think she just blows all her money on the external stuff, which... I, you know, I don't know if that is totally exclusive to the black community because, you know, you hear a lot about it in our community with, you know, we, we get caught up in the, you know, in the flash and the, and the stuff like that. But I, I don't think that's mutually exclusive to us. It's definitely not because I've coached and counseled uh, women from totally different backgrounds, different ethnicities, and it comes up. 
you know, it comes up. It's just a matter of wanting to look the part. And and really when I when I'm out speaking, one of the examples I always use is sometimes, you know, it, we're quick to judge people. Like, why would you be so concerned about what you have on when your house isn't in order or when your finances aren't in order? And sometimes it's, it's deeper. You know, I start the book out when I talk about setting the foundation, you really looking at what your financial blueprints are and where you learned um, about money, who you learned from, what their examples were, or what are some of the experiences that you've had. And for some people, and this is black, white, and or green, purple, yellow, pink, if you had an experience when you were younger where someone embarrassed you because you didn't have on the quote-unquote right shoes, or you didn't have the right purse, or you weren't you weren't wearing the right jeans or the members-only jacket, <laughs> right? <laughs> I remember like, those. You didn't have those things, and someone embarrassed you. Someone made you feel less than. Someone said that you weren't a part of the cool kids, or they said, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, look at you. Like, you're, you know, you're nothing. You're poor. You're broke. You're busted and disgusted. Whatever that was, you will make a decision in your mind, in your subconscious, that says, I will never be treated like this again. This is the last time someone will embarrass me or shame me to death or make me feel bad or guilty about my my family circumstances. And so those same folks grow up and get jobs. And now that desire deep down on the inside is to never feel that shame or that embarrassment again. And so every time they get paid, they're out buying something that proves that they are worthy, buying something that proves that they are better than, that they do have, that they do belong in the in crowd, that they should be admired, that they should be looked at. And they'll constantly chase this high, just trying to fill a void that was created by some numbskull on the schoolyard in 89. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and they're, you're constantly trying to chase that and fill that void when really you have to just acknowledge that 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 was then and this is now. And if you're not careful, that younger version of yourself will run your finances until the day you die. Yeah, I think it um, it hits home, especially for men. There's so much pride in how people perceive you mm-hmm. and, you know, how you want to come across. And it's 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 a hard balancing act, especially, you know, when you come when you start talking about um, coming up in a disadvantaged community. Yeah. And those those economic pressures are so high, and mm-hmm. I and it's not it's that people don't understand what it is that they really want, and it, it's not the clothes, it's not the cars, it's not the money, it's what you think you'll gain from having them. And it's un- the admiration. Yeah, yeah, and unfortunately, they don't learn the it. It's the stuff you want that you think is going to come from having that. Because you see the people on the outside, they look like they're so happy and they're this and they're that and how could you be unhappy with all of that stuff and it, it's not the thing that's gonna complete you but with men it's so hard because it's like uh it's hard to have a really pretty girlfriend and take her places if you're on the bus right <laughs> right <laughs> you know it just it, at least people think it's hard it's mm-hmm. not it's not as hard as people make it out to be because i did it i didn't have a car initially when i started dating my wife so, you know, it's like, hey, if if she's your girlfriend and she cares about you, she'll hop on a bus with you if she's a good one. <laughs> you know, she'll, she'll work it out with you. I mean, your your wife also wasn't thirty five. 
Uh, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? You know, so it's it's like I think we spend so much time focused on what we want to have as opposed to who we want to be. And based on who you want to be, you'll attract the right person, you know, because you you will carry yourself with a certain amount of um, values and a certain amount of just respect. And, uh, you know, there's a great image that I shared on Instagram recently, and it said um, basically people people work so hard wanting to be respected, but not acting respectable. Basically. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, you know, like everybody wants to be so respected. Like, oh, I'm gonna drive the big car so I can get the respect. And if I have the right purse, I'm gonna get the respect. And if I, you know, do the right things and show all the right stuff on Instagram and look so happy on Facebook, then I'm gonna get the respect, you know? And they get so caught up in that, then in their daily lives, they don't care anymore about just being respectable. It's in that it's in you being a respectable person, you holding yourself to a certain regard that unfortunately in our culture, I feel like is lost a lot, um, mm-hmm. you know, but you hold yourself to a certain level of respect and all that other stuff will come. You know, I'm, I, no one listens to me or invites me to, to their stage or invites me to be a co-host on their, their show. <laughs> you know, no one, uh, Steve Harvey didn't ask me to have a weekly segment on his show because I wear Christian Louboutins because I, cause I can wear red bottom shoes and pay $1,500. Right. No, no one is asking me to, um, come and be on a national television show because of the color of the bottom of my shoe. That that doesn't make me someone to respect. It's how you show up every day that makes you respectable. And that's where the disconnect comes. And what breaks my heart is that people, one, think that money is evil in a lot of communities. So I really work hard to kind of flip that, um, that mindset. And then, two, that people think that having money means that you act a certain way. Um, which is not respectable. Mm-hmm. And that, that breaks my heart. And I want to be uh, a voice for just looking at that a totally different way. Um, that, that having money doesn't make you respected. Um, and, and having the appearance, you know, trying to show or act like you have money doesn't make you respected. It's about how you show up in the world and what you do to help other people, period. I don't think it's anything beyond that. Right now, what do you say to to guys or, you know, what's the advice for these young guys that are out here? They're they're just starting out. They're getting out of high school. They're getting out of college. Um, Some are going to go to trade school. Some are going to go to college. Some are just going to go to work. What kind of advice do you give them to to build that healthy foundation if they don't have any examples? That's a good question. Um, I really believe that it's hard to become what you don't see. And I think that if you don't have an immediate example around you, that it's still your job to look for one, you know, and it doesn't have to be someone that you can see every day, even if it's a guy, um, a man online that you believe is a good picture of manhood. Now, sometimes it's hard, too, because based on where you come from, even that can be skewed. You know, a picture of manhood might be a pimp 
<laughs> and that's not what we want, you right. know, or a drug dealer or a gangbanger or something like that. That's not what we want. Um, but I really I really hope that young men will, will kind of identify for themselves. Like, what does manhood look like to you? If you came from a home with no father, is it that you want to be the best father that you can be? If you came from a home where no one finished college, is it that you'll be the one to finish college and and, you know, go out and have a career? If you came from a home where maybe there was someone who was an entrepreneur, but they weren't as successful, will you become that successful entrepreneur so that you can be the vision for the younger people in your family of what can become, you know? It's like, we can't always put things on what we don't see. You know, vision is is sometimes seeing things that just don't exist, but having that foresight to know that it's possible and then just holding on and believing in that. So I don't know, I would say if you can't find it, create it. Even right, look yeah, yeah. it. No, exactly. I think that's a I think it's a really good point. What's one of your uh, what's one of your favorite sections in the book? We didn't re- I didn't really ask you that yet cuz I, I wonder what's the part that like that you were just on fire about that really hit home when you were uh when you were doing your research and putting together the info. I think um my favorite would have to be, and I, I don't know that I have a favorite, but I would say just early on in the book with the money mindsets, attitudes, and myths, mm-hmm. one of the things that I wanted to di- just diffuse from the beginning was um, a myth that real men naturally know how to handle money. Um, and it was really important to me. It's on page four of the book. And it was really important to me to let guys off the hook. Because in talking to guys and in having you guys answer questions in the in the private group and take the surveys and stuff, you know, I realized, and even just in, with my husband and my brothers and stuff, that there's an assumption that even because you're a good man, you know, you 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 did everything right. It, by by that I mean, you know, you've you've grown up. You either have a business or got a job or um, went to school or you know you take care of your family. That that means that you have to be the the money maven in your family. And I wanted to let guys off the hook because I feel like that's a lot of pressure. And yeah, it's it not something right. I mean, it's it's not like it's something that because you're male, you're born with this money gene that says that you're a genius at it. You know, it's it's not fair to guys. And I wanted them, I wanted you guys to know that money management is learned behavior, you know, and that nobody is born with it. So that guys would know that first and foremost, this is not a book that's about judging you. And it's not a book from a woman who's pointing her finger saying, you better do this and you ought not do that. It's not that at all. Just as much as women feel like Real Money Answers for Every Woman was, um, you know, was written by their girlfriend or their big sister. I I wanted guys to feel like I'm just your homegirl. And I happen to know a little bit about money. And I want you to know that there's no judgment here, that I don't look down on you, um, that this is not about disrespecting you. This is not about discrediting what you may already know. It's just a guide to help you um, know a little more and add a little more to your arsenal so that you can win and have the financial success you want, because I don't want, I don't want to see another bake sale for an uncle that dies. Yeah. Raise money. I don't want to contribute to another car wash. I don't want to attend another barbecue. I don't want to fund another GoFundMe because uncle so-and-so died and he had no life insurance, Mm -hmm. you know, 55 or 60 or 70 years old. Like we've got to do better. 
just as a nation, as a society, we've got to do better. And so this is just my contribution. But, but you know, again, you asked me about what's my favorite part. It's starting from Jump Street saying that real men don't have to know everything about money. So let yourself off the hook and be okay with learning what you need to learn to have the success you want to have. And no one's going to judge you. And I'm definitely not judging you for doing that. That That's very well said. I think it's, it's important. And I've experienced this in my own life. It helps to connect more with your mate when you admit that, Hey, you know, let's, let's do this together. Cause I'm not the best at this part of it. Yeah. You know, I can earn the money, but I'm not real good with scheduling. So help me make sure that we pay this stuff on time. So mm-hmm. you help me make sure that we pay it on time. I'll go out there and earn it. We can keep up with it together. And then I maybe I, I can learn how to budget better with you helping me to do it. That way, both people are involved. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think you also have to understand that you're on the same team when it comes to money and dealing yeah. with it. Because so many people think that they're not. Mm-hmm. You know, my money, his money, you know, I have my bank account. He has his bank account. Well, you can have a play account that you put a little money in aside and you can go and you can spend the money in that account. Not a mm-hmm. lot of it, but you can put, you know, a few dollars away, a paycheck or a month to go. And that's your, you know, I'm going to go buy a new pair of shoes or I'm going to go, you know, Buy a video game if you're still playing video games or doing whatever you do for fun. Mm-hmm. You're going to go do that. You're going to go buy, you know, a $20 cigar and go with your buddies and go smoke it. Or you're going to go play a round of golf or whatever it is you're going to do. You can have a separate fund for that. But I see a lot of couples getting into problems. And I, I hear from the guys, she spends too much money on clothes. Or she's spending all of, all of the money on this. And then I'm taking all of my money and paying the bills. And I'm like, well, how do you know it's your money that's paying the bills? I, I don't understand. Oh, well, you know, everything comes out of my account. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? And they're like, <laughs> well, my account, my my bank account. And she takes her bank account and does with it what she wants to. And I'm like, so why don't you all have the same account? And it's the house money and you take care of the, the responsibilities first. Right. And I had to learn that. We we learned that about eight years into our relationship that this separate account silliness was not working out well. Yeah. I just talked to my assistant about that this morning. We had a talk about that where I I see that so much and it's not, it's not my account, your account, my business, your business. You know, my husband and I, we've been married seven years just this past December 29th. Um, It was seven years. And we started out as business partners before we even um, got married. We were business (laughs) partners in a real estate business. Um, which did very well. Uh, and and then when that business fizzled with the economy and we kind of both thought about what are we supposed to do next? You know, we kind of went our separate ways. We had worked together for five years, but he started doing his thing in entertainment. I've been doing my thing in the personal finance realm, you know, and just recently we realized that even in my business, we've been calling it my business. And it's not my business. It's our business. You know, this is ours because if you start to say his and mine, then you create an atmosphere for people to get bitter. Yeah. You you invite that that spirit, if you will, into your relationship and you create an atmosphere for folks to feel bitter. And if the husband starts saying stuff like, well, then I have to take my money. Well, hey, hey, 
You know, when everything is good, it's our money. But when we start feeling salty, it's just my money or his money. Right. Her money. We have to be consistent with, with that language um, because it can hurt feelings. It can hurt. It can um, it can really just damage a relationship. It really can. And I'm I'm with you. I personally believe that I got married to become one, not to have a roommate, not to you put in your share of the mortgage and I put my share in. Like, no, that that's just my personal belief. You don't have to agree. It's fine. So don't tweet me anything crazy. I, you know, I already get that everyone. (laughs) But what I'm saying is my personal belief in my household in my marriage of seven years is that this is our money, no matter how it came in or who it came from. This is our money. And we each get fun money for the month. But our money pays the bills and it keeps our businesses going. Period. Yeah, you can you can tweet me crazy because I'm going to say it's my opinion, but I'm going to say that it's right and you're wrong if you think otherwise, <laughs> because I'll put it to you like this. 20, 20 years of marriage. If you haven't been married more than 20 years doing it differently, don't 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 come to me with that silliness <laughs> about keeping accounts separate and thinking that you're together because you're not. Uh-uh. It's, you're, it's, you're one. You got yeah. married to someone in every sense of the word. One, like in every way possible, you are one. That's like saying, you know, we're married, but you live over here and I'm going to live over here. Yeah, exactly. That only works on sports teams. You can be free agents on sports teams and be on the same (laughs) team. You can't do that in a marriage. Right, right. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, I just came up with that one. (laughs) (laughs) You should have said it before. I would have put it in the book. (laughs) You know, well, it was a whole Dallas game thing yesterday, and I'm not a sports fan. Mm-hmm. I, I am, but I I choose not to spend my time like that because I've I've seen that it takes too much time away from the family because mm-hmm. you can sit up there and I get into stuff that I'm into, mm-hmm. and you'll sit there and you'll watch sports all day long and haven't done anything as far as family or anything like that. So I I just choose to not engage in watching a whole bunch of sports. I'll catch the highlights or watch a game every now and then, right. but um. Yeah. Yeah. I wish I had come up with that. That was a good one. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, definitely. Yeah. You tweet me at Ross PR if you don't agree, but it's, there's only one way to, to be a husband and wife and that's together. I think I'm going to try to get my husband to make a few videos with me. We'll see because he gets kind of social media shy. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but in preparation for the book launch on January 27th, um, I want I just I want people to know that it's real, that it's not like I'm not just talking about things that I don't do. You know, that right. I always say when I'm doing a live call or when I'm speaking that I'm not a travel agent trying to send you off into, you know, some place <laughs> that I've only seen in a brochure. I'm telling you through experience what I've experienced, what I tried to do, what didn't work. You know, then what happens when you get lazy and you fall off, <laughs> Yeah. get busy and you fall off and how that affects the the dynamics and how you have to reel it back in and bring it back together. Like it's it's work. It's real life. And I want um, I really want my husband to, to join some videos. So we'll see. So we'll see. I'm, I'm, I'll be working on that uh, tonight. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be working on that. <laughs> bouncing i guess a little bit off the book i saw a video that you did where you were oh, talking about money pnc bank oh okay. yeah yeah so i'm one of the instructors for the pnc financial achievement sessions mm-hmm. so I, I 
out to New York last year and recorded these videos um, for PNC and, and did some blog posts and some work with them. And they're pretty excited um, about this new ses season of sessions. Um, and one of my videos, I think a second one may be coming out any day now, but one of the videos came out and it's been doing very well um, about things to think about as you're trying to fund your business. Um, and another great announcement, Vern, that you, I'm always breaking something yeah, on your you I'm always breaking something. I am officially, as of January 1st, the national spokesperson for Goodwill's MyFreeTaxes.com initiative. Oh, wow. Um, very excited. It's a partnership between Goodwill as well as um, the Walmart Foundation and it's basically an initiative to help low to moderate income individuals know that they qualify for different tax credits. Um, and they also qualify to have their taxes filed for free, um, both online and in person at the different VITA sites throughout the country. Oh so gosh. if people want more information, they can definitely go to myfreetaxes.com. Um, but yeah, the, the deal, the ink just dried. It's official as of January 1st. And like I told you before, this is my first official working day <laughs> of 2015. <laughs> so you're the first person to hear. I haven't shared that anywhere. Wow. That is awesome. That is awesome. Well, I got to hurry and get the interview out then so I can be exclusive. <laughs> <laughs> right. Cause I'll, I'll be sharing it soon. So. Oh my God, I just said interview. I got to hurry up and get the co-hosted session out. <laughs> you, you forgot already. Okay. That's, that, that is amazing. You're always doing something interesting. And that's, that's really cool. That is really cool to be able to educate people about or what, what it is that they can do and, you know, basically saving them money for having to pay to get their taxes done. Yeah. I mean, every dollar counts. Yeah, you it know? does. You could save a hundred dollars just doing that that's a hundred dollars that you can now put in a savings account or that you can use to eliminate debt or that you can invest in a stock like every little bit counts and we have to monitor our our cents just as much as the dollars you know some of us are like oh i'm not going to get it together until i have x amount of money well you'll never get there because you haven't gotten it together <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah there's there's one part that uh there's something that you said and uh, i want to wrap it up with this that I really liked about the book. And it was one of the favorite, one of my favorite sections in the book. There's a lot of just really good gems in this book. So I do urge you guys to go out, get it. If you don't get the hard copy, get the, uh, get the Kindle copy, but just get the book because there's so many things in here. And I, I learned stuff from it. And, you know, being involved with the financial bloggers conference, you see and read a lot of financial advice books and they're, they're all pretty much the same. But this one was very unique in the way that it approached just the whole attitude about money. And, you know, although, you know, not really giving any money advice, the 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 thing that I really thought was good about this is that there's a lot of mindset and building the foundational stuff in the book to help people get in the right mindset. Because a lot of it is, okay, now do your budget. Okay, now do this. Okay, now do that. And right. people do it for a couple weeks, but they don't really have any any drive behind it, any real foundation to fall back on to say, okay, wait a minute, I need to do this because these are the the things that I've established. And what I'm talking about is this the part where it says, I am the CEO of my life. I set the strategy goals and vision for my life. I own my success. 
and I own my failures. And I'm like, wow, that is, that's not just about money. <laughs> that, that is, you're actually helping people with their lives and you're helping them with their finances. But this helps build a foundation that I think a lot of people just don't have. Yeah. You know, they know they're responsible for their success, but a lot of people don't want to own up to their failures. And then, you know, it goes on to say, I understand that success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And I think that's also so important because, you know, a lot of times when people fall off, you know, you start January 1st, 2015, and you got all these goals. And by today, you've already not met a couple of them. And you've, you know, had a cheap meal or you didn't make it to the gym or something happened. And you're like, okay, well, that was that was that. And they lose enthusiasm for it. So I think that that is a really good way, especially because you're launching the book. It's in January. People are trying to turn over a new leaf. They're trying to do better in 2015. And I think just the beginning part of that affirmation is a really good tone to start the book with and to start the new year off with that you're the CEO of your own life and you own your own success and your failures. And when you fail, you don't lose, lose enthusiasm. Very, very well written. Thank you for that. Oh, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And you're you're absolutely right. You know, I just want people to feel in control. And what I give is a lot of the, the things that I feel like is missing, like you said, out of, I'm not saying that I'm so different than everyone else, but I am saying what is different about me is that I have a genuine concern that people change their mindsets that they understand the why behind what they're doing, that they understand the why behind what they even say they want, that they understand that they're in control. And no matter what you have been through financially and no matter what you'll ever go through, if you can't let go of the blame and shame and the complaining, right, you'll never be able to make progress again. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter how many times you write it down. It doesn't matter how many New Year's resolutions you make. Um, it doesn't matter how much you, quite frankly, pray about it. If you're not willing to accept responsibility and say, you know what, I did mess that up, but tomorrow's a new day and I'm in control of tomorrow. I, yeah, exactly. I did listen to someone that maybe I shouldn't have listened to, but you know what? I'm ready, willing, and able to do whatever it is I have to do now to move forward. If you're not willing to take that stance, then I can't help you do all the other stuff that everyone else talks about because foundationally you're weak, you're weak minded and you're weak spirited. And I really believe that real money answers is my ministry. For me, it's more than just a business. It's more than just about financial education. For me, it's about really just your entire um, personal development. And I think it just all goes together. It all goes hand in hand. Um, and I know that people who gravitate towards me understand that and they embrace both sides, which I think is really important. So thank you for that. Thank you for acknowledging that part in particular, because it's, it's special to me. And it's also in the women's book, because I do believe in that so much. Yeah. And I think I've heard you um, live actually go through this with people. Mm -hmm. This yeah. is the affirmation that you have your audience say. Yeah. And it's easy. It's easy to skip over it to gloss over if you're like, ah, I'm not into that stuff. This paragraph, I could give a whole talk on just what I read. <laughs> Cause I mean, that's, it's, it's good stuff. And, uh, I'm glad that you did include that in there. And, uh, 
I think it's going to help change some people's lives and, and really help them understand what the real portion of trying to take control of not just their finances, but their life, which, you know, it's, it's just vitally important. It's all too often that I have people talking to me about, I don't understand why this is happening or I don't understand that why that is happening. And until reading that, you know, it's like, I've had other ways to put it, but I'm like, you know, one of the things is that, well, you can't lose enthusiasm just because you had a failure. Mm-mm. And it's, it's just a good way to put it. it. Telling somebody, look, don't lose your enthusiasm because you failed. You know, you're responsible for your successes and for your failures. It's a powerful statement. So, yeah, that, that like I said, thank you for that. That's a, um, I think that is an awesome way to think about starting the new year. And it's just the fifth day. So you've got plenty of time. You can go out to Amazon and, and get the book and uh, start your new year off right. Well, you can get the book January 27th. <laughs> well, yes, that's right. I, I forgot. Secret, yeah. secret list. I, because I'm holding it <laughs> and looking at it and reading and I've got I've been trying not to write in it, but I've got my uh, I've got my sticky notes in different places that I uh, that are of interest to me and that I really enjoy reading because I've read I've read it a couple times. I actually I've read that paragraph a few times, almost almost daily, because I, th- I just think it's such a good affirmation mm-hmm. to stay in control because over the holidays, it's it's easy to lose perspective. Yeah. And that's why I do that, too. Like if you're on my mailing list at realmoneyanswers.com in the weekly emails, I send out an affirmation with an affirmation statement. And I do that because it's one thing to say I am the CEO of my life, but I wanted to go deeper so that you really understood what that meant, mm-hmm. you know, because it can mean something different um, to everyone. And so I wanted to go deeper with that. I'm responsible for the success and failures of my life, you know, and I understand that failure is going, you know, that success is going to failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. And then I talk about, you know, being responsible for your brand and being responsible for the mission and vision and firing those, you know, who do not get the job done. You know, that means any people, places, things, or behaviors that don't support your vision have to go. I go deeper into that because I want you to dissect that entire statement every week and go line by line and look at what that really means and how that really shows up in your life. It's more than an affirmation. Each line is something that you can literally take action on. And that that is powerful. And that's why the book is so good. And that's why I'm enjoying reading it and we'll definitely be sharing it with other people and passing it on. So Patrice, thank you so much for coming on the show and co-hosting for the first show of 2015. Thank you for having me. Three P. Three P. So now tell people how they can find you online. Well, you can connect with me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Seek Wisdom PCW. That's Seek Wisdom PCW. You can always catch up with me at realmoneyanswers.com. And if you are looking to book a very, very, very dynamic speaker uh, to talk about personal finance, entrepreneurship, small business, head over to my site, bookthemoneymaven.com, and just learn more about me, what I talk about, what I'm up to, and let's see if we can make some big things happen in 2015. I'm ready. Awesome. And I think everybody's going to be ready after they listen to this one. Thank you so much, Patrice, for coming on, and I will see you in the next interview. See you later. (laughs) All right.